0: And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. The second reading is from Mark chapter one, reading from verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Thank you, John. Hello,
1: everybody. You know, I'm sure you realize whenever you enter into most families or groups of people, they all have their unique way of celebrating Christmas. And it was no different when I came here to Fig Tree Anglican five years ago. Uh, The ministry team here has a way that we seem to just. celebrate Christmas every year with a Christmas party, and it always seems to start with a bus trip. Well, in my experience, it always starts with a bus trip, and about two years ago, the responsibility of driving the bus became mine. Now, I ought to say to you, the first time, and each time I do this, I sort of get in the seat of the bus, and I look, everyone got their seatbelts on, and I look back, and I think, don't mess this up, Dirk's. Uh, you you could really mess the church up for a little while because everyone's on the bus. And so I kind of take that responsibility and I think, don't mess it up. Now, the question I've got for you is a somewhat rhetorical question for your reflection, not for calling out answers because we wouldn't want to embarrass anybody. But let's just say I should mess up this year. and We all die in a fiery bus crash. And I can see Steve Abbott and Steve Dinning. So guys, you might have a few funerals to run that week, but we know we're now in good hands with you. But imagining that happens and we don't come back, what would you miss? What would you miss of the ministry team of the pastors of this church? Now, you can reflect and think about that, uh, what you'd miss, not so much what you wouldn't miss. Just warning. Um, But I give you that because as this passage opens, it's not so much a case of God thinking about what he misses, but God being very clear about what is missing from those he has entrusted with the leadership of Israel. Uh, Ezekiel 34 verses 2 to 5, as uh, John read for us, are a pronouncement of woe from God as he talks about what is missing from those who are meant to be shepherding Israel. And uh, he says a number of things, and at this point I'm really grateful to uh, one of our Sydney bishops, Michael Stead, who wrote a paper called Three Shepherds, an essay called Three Shepherds. And what he does is, from this reading, he's able to highlight three categories in particular that are being missed. So let me share those with you. The first is, they don't feed and they don't protect. These shepherds are not feeding and protecting. Now, of course, this is metaphorical language. These aren't real sheep we're talking about, but God's people. And it's not just a case of food and fences. This is a case of feeding and protecting by filling and sealing people with the knowledge of God. At other times in Ezekiel, God will say, Oh, these prophets who tell my people comfort, comfort. But it's not comfort time right now. You should be warning them. You're actually telling them false truths. Tell them the truth. Tell them what I've told you to tell them. Fill them with the knowledge of me and seal them with the knowledge of me. Protect them from those false ideas that are coming in from the nations. Teach them well. Feed them and protect them by announcing, teaching, correcting, warning, and driving off false ideas. And I want you shepherds to be praying for them. This is how you protect them. Pray for the people and pray with the people that their hearts might be aligned together with the heart of God. So seal them and protect them in prayer. The first thing God says is you don't feed and protect. You're not praying and you're not speaking my word. The next thing he says is there's a problem with caring and seeking. Now, here God is speaking about not actually investing in the care, the physical, emotional, and tangible needs of God's people. You're neglecting them, and they're suffering. You're not practically caring for them. God's saying to the shepherds, I want you to be my hands and feet, looking after my people, and you're neglecting it. You're not caring. But God also says, you're not seeking as shepherds. And there's two kinds of seeking that God highlights in this. He says, you're not seeking after those who have strayed, those who have been in the fold and have strayed out and need to be, hey, 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 come back. You're not with us. You've strayed from how God wants us to be together. You're not seeking them. But God also says to the shepherds, whoa, guys, you're not seeking the lost you don't seem to have a heart to see these lost sheep reconciled to their God, brought to Him and incorporated into His flock and into His care. So God says, you don't feed and protect, you don't care and seek. And the last thing, um, as Stead helps us see, is you're not leading and gathering. In fact, as God speaks in Ezekiel 34, He highlights kind of two extremes of their leadership. It's either absent or it's acidic. So, You either neglect the responsibility to lead God's people, to gather them and to govern them, to help them work out how to do life together, or you're just very brutal and tyrannical with them. You're either absent or you're acidic, but either way, you are not helping these people to do life together, to understand good, healthy ways of interacting with one another and good boundaries and how God would have them live together. And God says the sheep are suffering because of your leadership or lack of it. So at this point from Ezekiel 34, 1 to 5, we know what's missing, the actions that are missing. And so we have a little think and we say, so we know what's missing. Uh, it might be time for me to say about something about who is missing. Because God has addressed this to the shepherds. Now what are shepherds? Well, you might be familiar with the language of pastor, and pastor is just a word derived from Latin for shepherd. Pastors are shepherds. So this is addressed to Israel's pastors, Israel's shepherds. So who are these shepherds, and what is their job? What is the office that they have? What are they, we heard a little bit about what they're meant to be doing. Well, let me share with you who they are. The shepherds are the prophets, the priests, and the kings. The role of the prophet is to feed and protect God's people. To help them know the Lord, to pronounce, thus says the Lord, and to say it clearly, and to say it truthfully and without deviation. So don't tell people of Israel, oh, comfort, good times are coming when exile is coming. Tell them the truth of their God. When a false idea about God or a false God comes into the fold, it's your job to protect people by driving that off and praying with and for God's people. The priests have this role of life with people, caring for them, not just for ceremonial reasons, but the the priest is the guy you read about sometimes in those strange Levitical passages where you're checking skin infections and mold in houses. Beyond the ceremonial, this is a space of life together. Helping people to come together with God. It's it's something that comes from the heart. It's a mediation of God's heart to people and representing people before God and again being God's hands and feet amongst them. And part of this caring ministry that God has intended for the priesthood is to be seeking for the strays and the lost we might think of that as helping them be reconciled to their God. Number one big thing in a priest's diary in the Old Testament is Leviticus 16 and the Day of Atonement, the space where people can see a a representation of atonement made and God and people reconciled coming together. Their job is to seek and save, to, to show people, this is how you can be right with God. This is the God who wants to know you. So we have prophets, we have priests, and finally we have kings who are charged under God to lead God's people, sometimes into war, sometimes worse, into taxes, sometimes into building, sometimes into different laws, sometimes with judgments, sometimes into different groups and parties, and how to be governed and gather together. God is speaking about these guys, and he says, look, I have a pattern for how I want pastoral ministry or shepherding to happen, and it's a threefold order. It's of prophets, priests, and kings. Now, if I were to sort of survey you and take you back to the bus and say, gee, what would you miss from that terrible bus crash? Or if I was to say to you what he reckons most valuable, each one of us probably has a thing that touches our love language and you think, hey, it's all about caring, hey, it's all about word, it's all about leadership. But do you see that God values all? In his rebuke of the shepherds, he speaks to each one of these categories, and he says, "You, well, I'm saying, you might have the thing that you like, I might have the thing that I'm gifted in, but God values all. The ministry of caring and seeking, the ministry of prayer and the word, and the ministry of leading and gathering, God values them all. And he values them to such a degree that he says, at this point, seeing the way things are going, I'm going to step in. Let me read verse 10 to you. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, the pastors, and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. God speaks a loving word of rescue and restoration where he says these guys aren't going to do it anymore because I love my flock and I want to see them looked after. And it's here where we come to the language that we heard in the Ezekiel 34:11 to 16 video where God makes a promise and it's a promise he starts with the language of I myself. God's promise is an I myself promise where he says it's going to be me and I'm going to come with more than just power to get it done, not just power but my person, not just the results but a relationship and I'm not just coming to save the skin of the sheep, I'm coming with skin in the game. The I myself promise that God makes in Ezekiel is an incarnate promise and this is the miracle of christmas that god promises that he himself will come and christmas shows us just how profound that promise is that he himself will come in the flesh to be the shepherd to be the one who will lead his people i myself will be the preach will be the priest who will search and seek for the lost who will care for them I myself will be the one who will be the king who will bring them out of their gatherings and into my gathering and show them how to live as my people. I myself will be the prophet who will tend them. I will feed them. I will protect them. I will show them what is true of me and what is false of me. Amazingly, I myself will be the one who will pray for them and with them. Do you see that this I myself is the Christmas miracle that is Jesus Jesus is the I, I myself. Jesus is the shepherd who has come to shepherd God's people. Jesus is the I myself who will search for the lost. Jesus is the I myself who brings and leads and governs God's people. Jesus is the I myself who feeds and protects God's people with his word and with his prayers. He's our intercessor. And so as we come to Mark's gospel, Mark gives us this snapshot of the very opening part of Jesus' public ministry. And so we look to see, how's Jesus going to start? You know, they say your first 90 days and all that sort of thing. Well, here's day one. Jesus, what you going to do? And you'll see, as I will show you, that Jesus from the very beginning will show himself as the shepherd pastor the one who is prophet, priest, and king. Here comes Jesus after John had been put in prison. Who was John? He was the one who baptized, but more than a baptizer, he was a prophet. So John's prophetic ministry ends, he's put in prison, and Jesus comes on the scene. He is the prophet of the day. What does this prophet Jesus do? Well, the prophet Jesus comes and he announces. He speaks, thus says the Lord from Jesus. Jesus announces the kingdom Of God is near, and he announces this as good news, which we like to call the gospel. What a prophet he is! He comes and he announces God's good news of God's kingdom coming, and he calls for what all good prophets do call for repentance. He says, Hear God's word that his kingdom is coming, God's people under God's rule in God's place. So repent, turn around from the way you have been going and trusting whatever you're trusting. Turn around and come and trust in this. Come and look to this. Come and be a part of this. Jesus is the prophet who announces God's kingdom and the good news with a call to repent. Jesus is the priest who comes. He's the priest who comes with a heart that cares and wants to be with his people. Do you see what he says? He says, come follow me. Now immediately that's worth pausing on. I've shared with you before, it grieves my heart from time to time. I will speak with young people about a friend who has fallen away. And they will say they will use this language, and I hear it, it haunts me every time. They used to believe it, but now they don't. What is this it they used to believe? You See, Jesus doesn't say, come learn my philosophy, come adopt my worldview... He says come follow me this isn't about believing it this is about a personal and intimate relationship with the I myself God who comes to lead and shepherd us everyone can say they used to believe it it's harder to say I used to know him I used to know him well did you say goodbye to him come let's say goodbye to him let's see what happens when we talk to him now and Do you see, this is not a Jesus who just wants to give philosophical information that people will live as good little Christians. This is Jesus, the priest, whose heart cares and says, I want to dwell with you and you with me. And this will happen in Mark's gospel in chapter 3, where he calls his apostles, those he wanted, he called them that they might be with him, that he might teach them and send them out. But it starts with that they might be with him. Jesus is the priest who cares. He wants to live life alongside his people. And what does he do? And here's why I've called this talk the shepherdman, because there's a mixing of metaphors here, because Jesus now says to these, these fishermen, come follow me and I will make you shepherds who fish. Shepermen. Shepherdman. shepherdman. He says, come follow me and I'll make you like me, a priest like me. You're going to fish for others. Why is Jesus even on this walk? Just because he likes walking by the lake? He's out seeking and searching. And he says to these guys, I'm going to send you to also be like fishermen. You're going to seek and search and save the lost. I'm going to give you the same priestly heart that is in me. That's what discipleship is, cultivating the heart that's in you in another one. And that's what Jesus, the priest, is going to do. And you might say, well, the next bit seems quite similar because that was Simon and Andrew, and now he sees James and John. Same deal, isn't it? No, a slightly different deal. Because in this one, we uh, see Jesus saying, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers. he tells them what they're going to be doing. The emphasis in this next group of brothers, James and John, is what, is what they were doing. You see, they, Jesus comes to them in the same way and says, come follow me, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed Jesus. These guys were part of a going concern. These guys are in the boat with Dad and the hired men. They're running the business. They have things to organize because they're running a business. They're doing something there. There's some leadership happening. And Jesus says, I've got a new plan. I'm going to lead you into something else. I'm going to gather you in a different way for a different purpose. This is Jesus the King. This is Jesus the King who is not absent nor acidic, but he's certainly invasive because he's just walked into someone's place of business and said, I've got a new role for you. I'm leading you into a new space. Come follow. And these obedient men immediately they do. They come follow him into the new business. They see the good King Jesus and they come with him. Do you see Christmas as Jesus, the prophet, priest, king, shepherd who has come to us? So let me take you back to that fiery bus, bus crash. Steve and Steve have been busy burying us and giving thanks for us and it was wonderful and thanks guys make my funeral the best one you can fight over who does it and so now a new bus is sent from wherever ministers come from from the ministry shop i send you a new ministry team who do you want to get off the bus what do you want to see Hopefully, as we think metaphorically about this bus that arrives, it certainly has more than one person on it because nobody but Jesus has all of these abilities as prophet, priest, king. We all float in strengths. You want to see a team get off. You want to say, our church is pastored by a team, not by an individual. What kind of a team? Well, you want to see a team that shows forth Jesus, that speaks about Jesus, that values what Jesus values, the prophetic, the priestly, and the kingly, and values them all. What do you want to see get off the bus? Well, you want to see, well, this bus is really big. It's not just space for those who are in vocational ministry. In fact, oh, look, all the life group leaders are on it as well, and all the kids' ministry team are on it as well, and the youth leaders are on it as well, and the band's on it, and there's shepherds galore. Well, hey, those shepherds look like sheep, because that's what God's calling us all to, to be little sheep who put on shepherds' outfits from time to time and pastor to one another in different roles and in different ways but who certainly serve alongside one another, that we might see in God's church amongst God's people, caring and seeking of the lost. The word proclaimed truthfully and honest prayers prayed and good systems of governance and leadership and call to accountability and responsibility and helping one another function well and in healthy, safe ways together as God's church. I think the question was asked, this isn't a new question, because in the fourth century, one of the most significant voices in the Christian church spoke about who he would want to see get off the bus. These are the words of a guy called Augustine. This is what Augustine describes, how he describes a pastor's job or a shepherd's job. He says this, and I quote, "'Disturbers are to be rebuked. "'The low-spirited to be encouraged.' The infirm to be supported, objectors, confuted. I had to Google that one, it means proved wrong. The treacherous, guarded against. The unskilled, taught. The lazy, aroused. The contentious, restrained. The haughty, repressed. Litigants, pacified. The poor, relieved. The oppressed, liberated. The good, approved the evil born with, and all are to be loved. I think once again, church history shows Augustine is hitting the nail on the head as he honors God's shape of prophet, priest, and king. Over the next weeks of Advent, we have an opportunity together to explore and see a bigger picture of our Jesus, the one who is prophet, priest, and king we have an opportunity together and I'll leave some questions with you to think, hey, what do I value? What do I want to see get off the bus? What should I value? What does God want to see get off the bus? Where have we missed some stuff and who got hurt because of it? Where do we have to grow as kings? Where do we have to grow as priests or prophets? Where do we need to encourage this one another ministry? and empower one another and step forward to be responsible where we need to be responsible, to be equipped where we need to be equipped, to be submissive where we need to be submissive how can we have this wonderful threefold pattern that God has designed well perhaps it's when we all work together as God has equipped us but certainly in these next few weeks what we will celebrate that Christmas Christmas is the arrival of the prophet priest, king, shepherd, his name is Jesus, and he pastors his people and his church holistically. My prayer is that we will see him in his fullness over this time. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the fulfillment of your I-myself promise, We thank you that he is the one who has come to protect and to feed, to care and to seek, to lead and to gather. We thank you, Father, that there's no replacing Jesus. We thank you that he is our chief shepherd. And Father, we pray that all of us who would seek to serve under him as under shepherds may take note of his pattern and his concern and his interest and his value that we might strive to see His church pastored prophetically, in a priestly way, and in a kingly way. Father God, thank you that this burden rests on no one person's shoulders other than Jesus. So we pray that, as the Bible so often teaches us, that we might value one another, that we might value the way that you have equipped us together, and that we might serve faithfully together, that the sheep, who we also are, Lord, may not be scattered, may not be injured, may not be harmed, but might be truly pastored as you intended. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.